Hello and welcome to A Health Podacy. I'm your host, Alan Weil. People enrolled in both Medicare and Medicaid, often referred to as dually eligible, have some of the highest medical and social needs among enrollees in either program. Long-standing differences between how the two programs operate have led to repeated calls over decades to improve coordination between Medicare and Medicaid, with the goal of improving health outcomes and reducing costs. Now, the largest care management model for people who are duly eligible are dual eligible special needs plans, commonly referred to as DSNPs. They cover more than 4 million people. But there's a growing trend of enrolling duals into so-called look-alike plans, which could undermine efforts to coordinate care. What are the dynamics of enrollment by people who are duly eligible in integrated plans designed to meet their needs? That's the topic of today's episode of A Health Podacy. I'm here with Yanle Ma, a postdoctoral research fellow at Harvard University. Dr. Ma and co-authors published a paper in the July 2023 issue of Health Affairs examining trends in DSNP lookalike plan enrollment. They found high rates of growth that raise concerns regarding efforts to coordinate care for this high-need population. We'll discuss these findings in today's episode. Dr. Ma, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here with you and your audience. Thank you. I, um, I've been studying and working on the topic of dual eligibles for decades. And this is one of those topics where if we don't sort of set the stage, you can jump to the findings and people sort of go, ah, so, so what? But this is really important, uh, what you found. And so I do want to start with a little bit of background. Uh, tell us, if you would, just a little bit about the characteristics of people who are duly eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. Why is it so important that we think about care coordination and care integration to meet the needs of this population? Um, yeah, absolutely. Over 12 million people in the U.S. are duly eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. This is a fairly diverse population because it includes both low-income people age 65 and above and younger people with disabilities. While some duals are relatively healthy, many of them have complex healthcare needs, and these can include multiple chronic conditions, physical disabilities, behavioral health problems, and cognitive impairments. In addition, many of them face significant social challenges, such as homelessness, lack of transportation, or food insecurity. And because of their complex health and social needs, Dual eligibles on average use more healthcare services than those enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid alone, even though duals only represent 20% of the Medicare population and 15% of the Medicaid population, they account for one third of spending in the Medicare and Medicaid programs. For duals, um, Medicare and Medicaid each play a slightly different role. Medicare is the primary payer, so it covers inpatient and outpatient services as well as prescription medications. Medicaid is the secondary payer and provides wraparound for Medicare. It covers behavioral health care and long-term services and supports. Medicaid also pays for Medicare's premium and cost sharing. 
Now, because Medicare and Medicaid were not originally designed to work together, duos have to navigate these two systems separately. Most duos have two insurance cards. They have to deal with two different enrollment processes, and they have to navigate through two different provider networks. And these can cause lots of confusion, unnecessary services, and poor health outcomes. For example, the lack of data sharing between Medicare and Medicaid providers for duals in fee-for-service programs can limit the provider's ability to coordinate care for these individuals. As another example, certain benefits covered by Medicaid and Medicare overlap, but they are not exactly the same. So if Medicaid has more generous coverage than Medicare for certain services, but because Medicare is the primary payer, a duo may have to first get a payment denial from Medicare before seeking coverage from Medicaid. From the patient perspective, this can be very confusing and inconvenient. And in addition, because the financial incentives for Medicare and Medicaid are not fully aligned, duos may miss potential opportunities for better health outcomes. For instance, because hospital readmissions are covered by Medicare, Medicaid may not have enough of an incentive to provide additional services after a duo is initially discharged from the hospital to prevent their readmission. So all of this said, unfortunately, these days, the majority of duos still have to navigate their Medicare and Medicaid benefits separately. Well, that was an excellent description of both uh, the challenges we face and uh, the importance of meeting the needs of this population. Now, for decades now, in both programs, we've turned increasingly to managed care with the idea that managed care plans can do some of the coordination uh, that doesn't occur in a fee-for-service environment. Um, so let's bring in the topic of your study, which is DSNPs and DSNP lookalikes. Uh, again, these are complicated regulatory, uh, 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 I should say these are complicated terms that describe plans that operate under complex regulations. But can you give us just a thumbnail sketch here of what is a DSNP um, and uh, what's a lookalike and why might we want to have DSNPs to try to address some of the concerns you just described? So DSNPs, which is dual eligible special needs plans, um, is the largest integrated coverage model in the U.S., Basically, it is a type of Medicare Advantage special needs plan specifically designed to provide targeted care and limit enrollment to dual eligibles. Now, because of this unique population it serves, DSNPs are subject to many unique regulatory requirements in addition to the ones that apply to all Medicare Advantage plans. For example, DSNPs are required to contract with the state Medicaid agencies to provide or arrange for Medicaid benefits for their members. DSNPs are also required to provide periodic health risk assessments and develop individualized care plans for their members. Currently, there are three types of DSNPs of different level of integration. They are fully integrated DSNP known as FIDSNP, highly integrated DSNP, known as HIDSNP, and coordination-only DSNP. 
The 5D SNP is the most integrated version of the DSNP. It covers virtually all Medicaid services, including both behavioral healthcare and long-term services and supports, and it fully integrates Medicare and Medicaid spending. HiD SNP is less integrated than 5D SNP, but still covers either behavioral health or long-term services and supports. Coordination-only DSNP is the least integrated version of the DSNP. They are still required to notify states when their employees are admitted to hospitals. Now, what about the DSNP lookalike plans? The DSNP lookalike plans are regular, non-integrated Medicare Advantage plans that appears like DSNPs, but are not subject to any of the integration requirements for DSNPs. In terms of similarities, like DSNPs, lookalike plans predominantly target and enroll duals. These plans also have similar benefits and cost-sharing features as those offered by DSNPs. Um, they are attractive to duals because they provide better coverage of supplemental benefits such as dental, vision, transportation services. Oftentimes, Medicare and Medicaid either do not cover such services or they cover it only to a limited extent. In the meantime, like DSNPs, these plans require their members to pay high cost sharing for Part A, Part B services. They require a premium for Part D and a high deductible for Part D. All of these features are generally not attractive to those non-dual Medicare population because of the high out-of-pocket costs. However, it doesn't really matter for the duals because Medicaid covers their Part A, Part B cost sharing. And the, because the duals are eligible for Part D low-income subsidy, they also got covered for the Part D premium and deductible. So basically, by design, these lookalike plans are only attractive to the dual population. Now, in terms of the differences, as I said earlier, it is very important to keep in mind these plans are in essence regular non-special needs plans. So they are not subject to provide the type of care coordination required for these SNPs or other integrated care programs. For example, these plans do not have to contract with the state Medicaid agencies or follow any state-specific care coordination protocols to promote the beneficiary's experience. Neither are these plans required to meet the minimum integration requirements as laid out in the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018. In reality, what happens is many duos confuse the lookalike plans with DSNPs because certain brokers of lookalike plans misrepresented the characteristics of these plans and made it sound like a DSNP. As a result, the duos thought they enrolled in a plan that coordinates their Medicare and Medicaid benefits when, in fact, the lookalike plans have no such obligations. Well, so this sounds like a real threat to efforts to provide integrated care. And so your study examines growth in these lookalike plans. I'd like to get into the results of what you found with respect to that growth and who they're attracting. We'll cover those topics after we take a short break.
And we're back. I'm speaking with Dr. Yanle Ma about rapid growth in enrollment among uh, look-alike plans, look-alike dual eligible special needs plans. Uh, Before the break, we were discussing how you can market these look-alikes to be quite attractive to people who are eligible for both Medicare and Medicaid, but then their needs aren't well met once they enroll in them. Let's turn to the findings that you report in the study. You found growth in the number of these plans and their availability. Uh, Can you just provide me with a little more detail? What were the findings with respect to growth in uh, DSNP look-alikes? Yeah, sure. Before sharing the findings, let me step back a little bit and explain how we identified the lookalike plans. Basically, in our study, we identified the lookalike plans on an annual basis using Medicare enrollment data and the plan characteristics data between 2013 and 2020. We defined lookalike plans as regular non-integrated Medicare Advantage plans that had a percentage of dual exceeding a specific threshold. So we considered two alternative thresholds here. One is the 80% dual enrollment. This is the definition currently used by the CMS in its regulation for lookalike plans. And the other is 50% threshold. We thought it would allow us to capture additional plans that enroll duals to a level below the 80% threshold and therefore not subject to the CMS regulation. Now, in terms of our findings, uh, we found overall lookalike plans experienced the rapid growth among dual eligibles between 2013 and 2020. More specifically, the number of lookalike plans exceeding 80% enrollment thresholds grew from six plans in 2013 to 58 plans in 2020. The number of duos enrolled in these plans increased from 20,000 enrollees back in 2013 to about 220,000 enrollees in 2020. So basically, it increased by almost 11 times. And the geographical coverage of these plans also expanded quite a bit. Uh, Back in 2013, they were only um, in 50 counties within four states, whereas as of 2020, they uh, they are in 300 counties across 17 states. When we looked at lookalike plans using 50% enrollment threshold, we also found similar rapid growth trends in dual enrollment. It is worth noting, though, the number of plans with duals between 50% and 80% threshold is almost the same as the number of plans exceeding 80% threshold. What this tells us is there seems to be a sizable number of almost lookalike plans that fall outside the scope of the current CMS regulation. Um, in addition to enrollment trend, we also analyzed the sources of new duos for lookalike plans. Among the duos newly enrolled into lookalikes, we found about 30% of them were previously enrolled in more integrated care programs, such as DSNPs. This suggests lookalike plans do compete with the more integrated coverage models, and they can 
have the potential to attract duels away from the programs that specifically designed to integrate Medicare and Medicaid services for these individuals. So that last finding seems particularly alarming. We set up a a new program designed to integrate care for this population. People enroll in it, but then they get drawn out of that system into one that doesn't have as much protection for them and as many uh, resources devoted to care integration. Um, Can you say a little more also about the characteristics of the people who enroll in the DSNPs versus the uh, more traditional integrated plans? Of course, we found that the majority of duels enrolled in lookalike plans were older than 65, female, Hispanic, eligible for full Medicaid benefits, and living in urban areas and communities with high social vulnerability. Compared to duels enrolled in DSNPs in the same service areas, we found duels enrolled in these lookalike plans were more likely to be older male, Hispanic, living in rural area and most socially vulnerable communities. This is concerning as lookalike plans seems to be targeting duels with low English proficiency and from underserved areas to the extent the lack of integration in lookalike plans can lead to lower quality of care. This disparity in enrollment may ultimately translate to disparity in healthcare quality and outcomes. We also find it is concerning the majority of duels in lookalike plans are eligible for full Medicaid benefits because these individuals could have benefited most from integrated care programs. So these are just additional causes for concern and caution, um, and yet we do see continued growth. So uh, the policy environment in which this occurs is very complex. These are all regulated plans under different regimes. Um, Given the concerns that you raise about the possibility that the people most in need of care coordination are not getting the, uh, not enrolled in the programs that might best meet their needs, what are some of the policy options available so that we have the right people in the right plans? Uh, Right. This is an excellent question. Um, So first, I have to say effective January 2023, CMS no longer contracts with any Medicare Advantage plans that do not fall under the category of special needs plans, but have 80% or more of its enrollees being dual eligibles. Our finding suggests the existing CMS regulation on lookalike plans may not be sufficient. As mentioned earlier, our results show there is still a sizable number of almost lookalikes with high dual enrollment, but not currently regulated. Now, policymakers may want to consider further regulating these almost lookalike plans using a lower dual enrollment threshold or a combination of a lower dual enrollment threshold and other factors to identify lookalike plans. In addition, the policymakers may want to ensure the duos transitioned out of existing lookalikes indeed get enrolled into more integrated care programs. While some lookalike, make, uh, lookalike plans may have transitioned their enrollees into DSNPs, other lookalike plans may have simply 
transferred their enrollees to another non-integrated plan. The, for the duos in these latter plans, they may have not truly benefited from the CMS regulation because they were essentially shifted from one non-integrated plan to another non-integrated plan. And more broadly speaking, policymakers may want to further facilitate the growth in existing integrated coverage models, especially those fully integrated models. For example, the policymakers may consider allowing integrated plans to automatically enroll individuals when they first become dual eligible. And policymakers may also consider encouraging states to require more Medicare and Medicaid alignment beyond the minimum requirement. Um, finally, dual eligibles can also benefit from more education on the distinction between integrated and non-integrated care products. Policymakers may consider, for example, providing more information on the non-integrated Medicare Advantage plans with high dual enrollment or investing more resources to help duos actually select into the integrated care plans. You know, I'm particularly interested in that last topic. We put a lot of emphasis on what are your benefits, what are the covered services, and certainly the marketing around MA plans in general, as you noted earlier, is around supplemental benefits. And that's very attractive. Uh, but coordination isn't something that's typically marketed. You don't say, oh, our product is highly coordinated and theirs, you're not going to get that kind of coordination. I think it's sort of not part of our health insurance lingo, and yet it's such a critical need for this population. So maybe we really need to think about how we talk about what the insurance product represents. And it's not just what's covered, it's also how it's covered and how the parts fit together. Right, exactly. Well, I'm really interested in these results because, as I noted at the outset, uh, we've been working for decades on trying to improve coordination between two programs that, as you noted early on, were designed uh, with very different structures in mind. They're operated, uh, one by the federal government, the other by states, and the list of differences goes on and on. Uh, it seems like here we found a model that can at least begin to make difference, uh, but we've uh, are also seeing that the market forces can create alternatives that may undermine that model. So it's a continuous effort to try to improve care for this large and uh, high-need population. I appreciate your time to take a closer look at what they face and for being my guest today on a health policy. Thank you for considering our work. And I just wanted to say special thanks to my co-authors on this study and to Arnold Ventures for supporting our work. And thank you again for having me here today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll tell a friend about a health policy.